Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So the County Crows are one of the bands that the girls like, but it's a little bit of a horror sell with the guitar songs. And I, I didn't have any, I'll just be frank, I couldn't get Dolly to like Cowboys, but Georgia... I was like, you're really going to like this song. It's a little bit fast. Got some guitar solos, five minutes long. And she was like, okay, well, not off to a good start. And I was like, she was like, why do you like it? And I was like, in the middle of the song, he says, this is a list of the things that I should be that I'm not. And she was like, wait, what? And I was like, and it's called Cowboys. And he lists the things that he should be that he is not. That's literally what the song is about. And she was like, I feel that. And then I played it for her, and she was in, uh, in, 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 in. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Fellas. Oh, I blew it. Do it again. <laughs> Fellas. Fellas. Welcome. To 2008 on the 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys podcast here on the Electricast Podcast Network. Dude, you are getting on fire with that introduction. That was everything. That was us, the network, the name of the show. So impressive. Uh, My name is Tim. There you go. That is Jeff. (laughs) Ben, how are you? Good, man. Good. Good, Jeff. Uh, Tough week, Jeff Simons. Oh, What's what's defined tough? I'm here with y'all, and uh, there's food in the refrigerator, so I'm okay. Fine. I'm fine. That's good. Hey, you know, um, we started this thing because we were looking for ways to connect as COVID was driving us all inside. At any time, has this podcast become become laborious for you? Has it become a chore? Is this your way of telling us That's this how is we're the last starting? episode? Is he no. saying that because you're in a Marriott in Spartanburg, <laughs> South Carolina? Is that where this is coming from? It's a, it's a Hampton Inn. Oh, um, my apologies. I think this is my third podcast I've recorded from uh, a volley, a daughter's volleyball tournament. Where Your last hotel room was a lot more colorful, Timmy. I'm a little worried. There's a lot of beige at the Hampton Inn. Yeah, it's looking looking a little Spartan and Spartan. Although I can see the emergency <laughs> exit instructions, so that's good. At least you're going to be able to get out in case you're fired. <laughs> yeah, the the hotel manager is like, "Do you is it okay if you have a, a room on the first floor?" I said, "Yeah, we're the first to get out." And right? I mean, you're the most likely seven. to get broken into. People don't like the first floor, as it turns out. Really? Yeah. I will, I will lock the door. Say the reason why I asked gentlemen is because, because I do think in season three, we're going to go with every other week. This is a conversation you wanted to have with our listeners. You said we had to start recording. (laughs) Show them, show them what's behind the curtain. How about this readers? If you'd like us to go to every other week, send your cards and letters to Tim Plain 
And uh, if you would miss us, if we'd leave, if that would leave a hole in your soul, send your cards and letters to Tim Plain. He will figure it out. He will figure it out. I will be here when summoned, my friend, whenever, whatever schedule works best for you. This is actually a night to celebrate. This is our 99th podcast together. No way. 99 of these things. That's insane. Yeah, really. It's amazing. Good for us. <laughs> Good for us. Have I done anything a hundred times? I don't know, but I, mean, I can't you know. wait till they, they package it up in a, um, in a box set. It's going to be awesome. Well, are we going to do something cool for episode 100? We're going to celebrate. Are we just going to go like 2009? Oh, 100. We might need a, we might need to, upon the conclusion of recording, talk about whether we do something special for number 100. Okay. Wow. I like, I like how this, this is uh, turning out here. And uh, so we'll go right into our Grammy winning album, which will set kind of a a party tone for us. Will it now? I don't know if this sets a party tone. Uh oh. It's the Grammy winner. Raising Sand by Robert Plant and Alison Krauss. Plant and Allison Krauss. How did how in the world did they meet? You know, I don't know how they met, but um, it's a good pairing, and it worked out really great for Robert Plant because I believe he then met his partner for the last almost what twenty years through uh, that relationship because he's with Patty Griffin, who is friends with Allison Krauss. Oh, so it was a it was a really good move for Robert Plant, I think. That's on neat. all sorts of levels. Ben, did you own that album? Or do I you did. own that album? Yeah. I did. Did you, did you like saw it? Saw them up on a roof. They're good. Okay. <laughs> Jeff, thumbs yeah, up. Yeah, I saw it. Saw it too. I saw it at the Greek. So are we approving the Grammy this week? It's just a retro act. Yeah. I mean, like that sounds like 1958. <laughs> <laughs> so no. <laughs> the answer to my question. The sound of it though, like people got really charmed by the sound of it. Like I Almost everybody I played with that year suddenly was like, you know what I kind of want to sound like? Is that Raising Sand record? Like everybody kind of fell in love with that deep reverb and all those kind of warm, gushy tones. Is it Tebow about... Burnett? That's the producer? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It sounds just like him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, 2008. Uh, let's see. Castro steps down. Who'd have thunk it? Obama wins. The election in the United States. Who'd have thunk that? Who'd have thunk Interesting that? connection, Tim. I like how you did that. Yeah, I know. That was good. <laughs> you saw what happened there, no right? No coincidence. The old switcheroo. Um, I actually have a, a former student who is a um, devout communist. Um, and he told me that 
in Cuba, they've, they've cured cancer, but that capitalist countries are, are blocking that because it would uh, diversely affect hospitals and the profits hospitals make. Which is proof that there are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs on both sides of the political aisle. Yeah, so totally. nice... I would be like, move to, move to Cuba. Let's go. <laughs> See how it works out for you. There's no cancer. Report back. I, Report I had, back. I had a former student that was on Hugo Chavez's um, Ministry of Culture Committee. She wandered oh, wow. her way down there on vacation and somehow met some of Chavez's people, and he hired her to like, like host rock concerts and do cultural events. Um, That's and amazing. Luckily, she got out of there before um all hell broke loose for people connected to chavez but uh oh, but she came back with uh, like boy he's really misunderstood like the guy really likes to throw a good party so. you, know, <laughs> <laughs> you know i received a, a message on linkedin of all places this week from a former student 25 years ago in las vegas she's now a hydrogeologist in california cool. And she's taking a leadership seminar and they asked her about uh, favorite mentors of her lifetime. Come on. She wrote about me and then took the time to write me a nice note That's on, amazing. LinkedIn, on LinkedIn. It's Love really, that. I mean, this is why we're in the business, right? Because 25, year, 25 years later, they're going to remember something you said. I don't know, man. I better not be in the business for that. I have not gotten a... <laughs> I haven't gotten a note like that in a while. Good for you. Oh, who name a name a former student who you've got a, a warm place in your heart because they're doing something special nowadays. Oh, I mean, I didn't mean that. I just mean they don't go out of their way to name me at leadership conferences and email me about the event like that, you know. I have friends who tell me that if you actually write to people on LinkedIn, it's proof that you're a sociopath. Though. <laughs> Like there are definitely people who are like, you know, anybody who actually like, you know, you get that thing from LinkedIn, like congratulate your friend that it's actually just a, it's a screening process for crazy people. Like anybody's like, I will congratulate my friend. They send the white coats, lock you up. Okay. Good stuff. Um, in 2008, there was a fire at Universal Studios where 175,000 master recordings were lost. Yep. Jeff or Ben, do you know of any of those recordings that were lost? Oh, a ton were lost. All the original Nirvana tapes, uh, half of Tom Petty's catalog. Oh, like all, I mean, like enormous, like billions of dollars worth of um, original masters. Now, a lot of them were backed up and in other places, but they are one tape generation removed from the original tape. And they hit it. They didn't tell any of the artists and it wasn't until like 20th anniversary editions started to come due and they're like, Hey, how about those masters? And they're like, Hey, how about a, how about a club soda? Cause those <laughs> oh, weren't dear. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, ben Barton, uh, president George Bush decides to bail out general motors and Chrysler in 2008. Give me a ballpark figure. How much did the United States government loan to GM and Chrysler? I'm going to put it at 389. No, no, wait, that's too much. We'll put it at $100 billion. Uh, did you say $100 million? No, I said billion, but that's You said billion? Bad. Jeff, higher or lower? I uh, mean, I'm terrible at this. I'll go a little lower than $100 billion. $17.4 billion. Lower? Lower to bail out GM and Chrysler. Uh, and still no, no space pods. 
No flying cars. No and flying a cars. A really nice thank you note, Timmy, just like you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> In 25 years. Yeah, they said a nice <laughs> note. Uh, funny stuff. <laughs> All right. Oh, I was excited. Uh, I was telling your wife, uh, Ben, about our new segment on the podcast. It's called. That's called. I was excited. I was telling your wife. That's the whole. That's the. That's the segment. <laughs> and stop. Uh, the new segment is called. Did you read it? I will name a book published in two thousand eight. Oh, you boy. tell me if you read it and what you thought about it. Uh, yeah, I have a question. Are we allowed to lie if we're embarrassed <laughs> that we did not read it? <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, the audacity of hope by Barack Obama. I have not read the entire thing. I read about 80 pages of it. Ben? I didn't read it all. Okay. Three Cups of Tea by Greg Mortensen. I did not read that book. Zip. Oh, I read it. And speaking of lying, uh, he lied in it. So uh, anyone read Eat, Pray, Love? Oh, you know, I, India read all of these books. The, the, she... the teacup one is the guy who pretended he went to Afghanistan, right? Yeah, uh, Nepal. Oh. And he, he went, yeah. but he overstated uh, many of his uh, interactions. Sure. Um, I have not read Eat, Pray, Love. India's yeah. also read that. There was a John Grisham novel that came out in 2008, Ben. Is that in your wheelhouse? Yeah, sure. Was it Runaway Jury or what was it? Uh, the Appeal. The Appeal. I didn't read I The Appeal. I mean, I I've read, read like read five one. John Grisham books, but that isn't well, one of them. I guess we're going to go back to which young starlet do you want to date? Because that's like, by the way, that's <laughs> can we talk about books we read recently? Because I just read this fantastic book about the Supreme Court. I don't know if you're aware did you of finish it. it. I did. I did. What? In fact, look, I can prove it because here it is. The credentialed court right here on my bedside table. Wow. Two kinds. Two kinds. Bang. Inside the Cloistered Elite World of American Justice by one Benjamin H. Barton. Okay. He DM me privately to find out what the H stands for. <laughs> um, is, what is uh, Ben Barton's writing style, Jeff Simons? It is remarkably readable. It's one of those great books where it's about very, very smart things that requires knowledge of several hundred years and uh, the legal system. But a person like me who finds legal writing to be uh, impenetrably complicated. Right. I, I burned through this like a hot knife through butter. Super, right. super readable. It's great. And, and and this is a guy who every year when he gets his like independent school contract, which is basically written for third graders, is like, now wait, am I getting paid? Like, I mean, I'm <laughs> worthless with legal writing, and this is super great. So highly recommended. Highly uh, recommended. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, all right. Well. It is the 99th episode. Let's talk um, about one of the favorite segments from season one. Most popular baby name for 2008. Jeff, oh, wow. you get the first boy guess. Uh, Clarence. <laughs> ben? Justin. Closer. Jeff? Um... I'll go with William because I always do, and it never is the answer. No, it never is. Ben Barton. Jason. <sighs> Jacob is the Oh, correct. my brother's name. <laughs> <laughs> I think this has actually happened before. Uh, all right, girl's name, Ben Barton. 
Tiffany. No. Ashley. No. Tiffany. <laughs> Jessica. It is Emma. Oof. Emma? Emma. You know wow. what the problem is? Jeff, you had that nice compliment um, last week about hosting and how I'm in a groove. And then someone on Twitter did the same thing. And now, no matter what I come up with tonight, bump. we jinxed you. We jinxed bump you, buddy. This is, no, look, this is not the fault of the host. Oh, totally. Carson blame the talent. The number Carson one had thing so many boring episodes, and it was all about the guests who had nothing to say. All right. This is what I got for you next. You know what I got? I got more music right after this commercial. All right, Jeff Simons. Uh, the number one selling album. Did not listen to this. Don't know anything about it. Is that right? Because yeah. you have 338 million people would wonder why you haven't listened to this song. Holy cow. It's the number one album. The Carter Three by Lil Wayne. Uh-huh. No, I say he's so sweet. I wanna lick the rapper. So I let her lick the rapper. She, she, she lick me like a lollipop. She, she lick me like a lollipop. Who is it? Seriously? I got nothing. Just Lil it's, Wayne. Not, it's not Wayne. It's Lil Wayne. <laughs> um, son of Big Wayne? I don't believe so, no. Lil because of his diminutive stature, not because if he comes after another more important Wayne. And I don't know my favorite Lil Wayne song. There's, I don't know, six to ten Lil Wayne songs that I like. It's good. Doesn't do anything for me, Lil Wayne. It's all that auto tune and like it never gets going. I feel like that that whole song is waiting to start happening. You know, it's like they're figuring out the drum machine and like, okay, maybe in an hour we'll get a good beat going and then it's over. <laughs> like it just doesn't sound finished to me. Almost every Lil Wayne song that people are like, you got to hear this. I'm like, yeah, in like a couple more hours that could have been pretty cool. <laughs> I know it's me, but that's just how it sounds to me. All right, I've got a, um, I've got two events that happened in 2008, and these are events where I would be so lost in a conversation. If it was a dinner party, if it was a cocktail party, and someone started talking about this, I'm not sure what I would do, and I want to know if either of you could hang for either of these conversations. On March 11th, 2008, the U.S. government begins to intervene in the financial system to avoid a crisis. The Federal Reserve outlines a $200 billion loan program that lets the country's biggest banks borrow treasury securities at discounted rates and post mortgage-backed securities as collateral. Could either of you hang in that conversation? 
I think I could. That's part of that bigger Big Short conversation yeah, we had a year ago. Yeah, I think ago. I could too. Like, yeah, the Big Short. And then what's the, what was the documentary about the events that were called the Big Short? Not, mar was it Margin Call? Yeah, or was it was Margin the, Call. Or is that the, no, I think that's the, the other dramatized movie. But I remember I came out of that documentary, like, ang I think I was more angry than I've ever been at a documentary. Like, I came out of that documentary looking for people oh, to What punch. was that called? You're right. I, I remember you, I remember you. But you weren't mad at the treasury, right? I mean, that's not like, at all. In my no, opinion, there was nothing we could have done. They took that treasury money and tripled down on those ridiculous uh, tranches. And just, I mean, they just took, our money and flushed it even more forcefully down the toilet. I was so infuriated by that. I still am. I still am angry. Like they got off. They got away with murder. Absolutely. Well, they get away with murder, but they got away with the complete destruction of an economy. 5% of the middle class. So. So both of you watched the big short and could follow it. Yeah. I read oh, the I book. Actually, I actually, yeah, me too. And oh, they I made a book out of it. <laughs> that was a good joke i like it it's i i believe i stole that from uh airheads with oh, adam really sandler good. that's all right that's, that's a pretty good adam sandler callback right there all right um the other question all right november 6 2008 scientists at the genome sequencing center at washington university report that they have sequenced all the dna from the cancer cells of a woman who died of leukemia and compared it to her healthy cells. In doing so, the experts found mutations in the cancer cells that may have either caused the cancer or helped it progress. How are you guys doing at that dinner party? Are we in Cuba? Because I understand <laughs> they cure cancer in Cuba. Thank you. That conversation is undoubtedly happening in communist Spanish. It would be hard for me because they'd be in Spanish and I'd just be eating beans. I'd be like, wow, these beans are freaking fantastic. I'm like, how about that Cuban jazz, huh? I like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, Let's figure out who died in 2008. Come on, Ben Barton. Uh, Stinger. Female. Folk. Black. Odetta. Odetta is correct. Writer. Dinosaurs. Michael Abyss. Crichton. Michael Crichton is correct. He died in 2008. Now there's a guy, unfortunately, I have read a lot of his books. I might have even reread Jurassic Park. I enjoyed it so much. So in, in Vegas, in the I love this story. Thank the you. The student so. who reached out to me. Uh, yeah, I taught Jurassic Park at Green Valley High School in Las Vegas. It was required reading for the 10th grade. We had to read Jurassic Park. But wonderfully, you were not allowed to show the film because it was rated PG-13 and therefore blocked for obscenity reasons. Could, couldn't even show clips of a PG-13 movie. So every student in the room had seen the movie <laughs> and I'm assigning the book and yet I can't play clips to jazz it up. That was rough. Um, all right. In 2008, a comedian died. White, male, smart, cynical, seven words. George Carlin. George Carlin. You guys ever see Carlin in person? No. Did you? I saw him. Yeah, twice. I wow. saw him twice in person. But it was after he was really <laughs> funny, unfortunately. But okay. the sound of his voice 
in person is really something like just to hear that growly like <laughs> i don't even know what to think like coming out of a microphone in a big hall was worth it that was fun do you have a favorite george carlin joke uh geez i do but i i um i have one that i use with the girls all the time let's hear it but um he says you know your parents they try to make you eat food and then you decline and then they're like you should try it and he's like i shouldn't try that if i tried it i'd like it even less (laughs) (laughs) that's good (laughs) but the one that i can't ever forget is uh when he's doing one of his like grammar rants He's like, okay. everyone's always telling you, get on the plane. Are we getting on the plane? Let's all get on the plane. Fuck you. I'm getting in the plane. <laughs> uh, and finally, politician, white male, Senator, North Carolina. Jesse Helms. Jesse Helms. That is a clean, sweet- He's not trying. He's not trying. It's such a bummer. Do you know how many competitions I have lost to this man? I could I try and offered... just take it as a win. I'm not like I way better off... than I am at this. I have it's tried all good. to offer healthy competition in situations where I have no hope. Have you yeah. ever, you haven't lived until you've watched Ben beat me in Monopoly so bad that I actually have somehow a wooden barrel around myself with no shirt on. <laughs> and there wasn't a barrel in the room before we started playing. <laughs> Uh, let's get to our three albums. Our three albums. Benny B Jeff, is up. No, nope, I, I believe, went first last time. Yeah, you requested Ben go first. You're going to let me go first next week, though, right? You can go first every time you want, but it's okay, definitely your turn this week. Because the next okay. one, we might overlap. This one, we're not going to overlap. Oh, okay. Okay, so... The last time we checked in on our friends, the Counting Crows, I believe it was 1995. Oh, we were right. covering wow. satellites. Okay. Um, so, and then we had a discussion where I said, and then Tim chose August and Everything After for the album. And I was like, that's not actually even my second favorite Counting Crows record. And that's the record I'm choosing. So, if you look at the Counting Crows discography, it's a little weird. It's like they've got August and Everything After, which is their best-selling record, and then there and and has the, all of their biggest hits on it. Then their second best-selling record is Recovering the Satellites, and it's a little wrong to say it's not all of their biggest hits because they've got two gigantic hits on that record, um, and that record is fantastic. That's my actual favorite Counting Crows record. Um, then it's like. It's 95, that record comes out, and then there's a long stretch of touring and a live record, and some of the tours are really weird. It's like co-headlining with the Wallflowers. Um, they put out a live record. They do VH1 Storytellers. Then they do Woodstock 99, and then they put out This Desert Life, which is okay. That record is good and has multiple good songs on it, but as a follow-up um, to Recovering Potter's the Satellites, just not... not close to recovering the satellites okay then um we putter along a little bit and then we get hard candy in 2002 which i liked less and basically we're on kind of a little bit of a decline in my mind and hard candy includes i'm sorry are you going to make the joke that you made when this came out that i'm going to insist that i tell go ahead do it um so the first single off american girls of this record is american girls and Adam had gained quite a bit of weight in this moment. 
and uh, Ben, because <laughs> he's like, all American girls. And Ben added, all covered with cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and I cannot hear that song to this day without imagining like, like one of those big jack in the box, like triple deckers in his hand while he's trying to finish the lyric. Oh, it kills me. So I like that record less. They consider this record to be more up-tempo and radio friendly, um, which was not a good look for me. Then we enter an even weirder part. Greatest Hits record comes out. Shrek 2 soundtrack comes out with Accidentally in Love. And I'm like borderline getting ready to write these guys off. I mean, I'm not like super mad about it, um, but the Hard Candy's got... The song, I think the song Hard Candy is basically similar to Accidentally in Love. It's like another happy kind of love song thing. And it's a weird time for Adam Durrance. He's like dating starlets over this period of time. And it's just like, a, it's like the band is looking a little bit strange. And again, look at the timeline. Like basically the last good record that came, in my opinion, the last great record that came out is in 95. And now we find ourselves all the way into like 2002. Um, and the biggest hit off Hard Candy is a cover of Big Yellow Taxi, which didn't please me very much. Um, so I'm, I'm getting a little bit worried. Time continues to pass until you get to 2008. So we are now 15 years into this band's career. And I'm, I'm like just getting worried enough about them. But basically, you put out Recovering the Satellites, I'm going to buy whatever you put out, no matter what. Uh, they get the same producer from Recovering the Satellites. They put this record out in 2008. Saturday nights and Sunday mornings. So half the record is an up-tempo Saturday night part. And then half the record is like a more down-tempo. Although there's actually some up-tempo songs on, on side, what would be side B on an album. Um, it's a really, really, really interesting record. And I'm going to give Jeff and Tim a second to think about this. It's in the argument for best record 15 years from a band's career in my opinion. And it, it actually depends how you count, whether it's some girls or emotional rescue for the stones that if it's some girls, it depends when you start the clock on the stones. If it's some girls, then the stones win by a walk away. If it's emotional rescue, then you're in better shape. Radiohead, if you're going to count in rainbows as 15 years in, well, then the conversation is over. If you're going to count King of Limbs as it, well, this one's in the neighborhood of that. Um, it's a really, really, really interesting record in my opinion. Durance's songs, like, so basically they're getting more radio friendly and accidentally in love, they're getting like super extra chipper. This is a real return to the sort of more depressive stuff from Recovering the Satellites. And he mines all of this old lyrics and the old themes right. on this record. Yeah. It's like a real reconsideration of their previous work. Um, and actually we'll do this again when we get to Taylor Swift's um, re-recording of Red. It's super interesting when an artist that's reaching middle age takes this moment to just be like, I'm gonna rethink my whole catalog. I'm gonna rethink what I've told you before and restate it in this new situation. Um, I think I'm gonna predict Jeff, or maybe Jeff told me, I think Jeff's beef with this record is he doesn't like the all fast, all slow, and that there are too many songs and that the songs are too long. Those are pretty fair critiques um, I'll rebut them in a second, but let me just say, um, if, you, if that's how you feel about it, you can make a nine song version of this record that's freaking fantastic, that actually 
It's like just it, that I like better than August and everything after and it's just a notch below recovery. Like there's a nine song version of this record that is just whoo, killer. And you can sequence it fast, slow, fast, slow, fast, slow, fast, slow. And then Jeff would feel better about it. Um, the argument for the way they do it and the thing that particularly makes me love this record is it's a fuck around and find out, take a big swing record. Like they, uh, like you to me at least the way the way I felt this record and, and like uh, I bought it first song I was like oh hello and then I was off to the races with it. One of the reasons why I love this record is by at this point now it's been a minute since I would listen to a whole record. It's a special thing in two thousand eight for me to listen to a whole record. By two thousand eight, I'm pretty sure I'm buying digital music, and if I'm not, I'm buying a CD. And I only, I listen to the whole CD and I burn the, the songs that I like and I get rid of the songs that I don't like and everything's in a mix, basically. Um, so when I found a record that I liked, and this was one of them, I just listened to it until I liked all the songs, which is actually now weirdly a rare thing to do, but was really awesome. And why did I do that? Because I was so freaking thrilled, so over the moon that a band that I loved 15 years into their career were like, you know what? You know what? We're going to do a concept double album that's called Saturday Nights and Sunday Mornings. And we're going to take all of the themes from our previous work and we're going to mash it up. We're going to take fast songs and then make them slow songs. Like Recovering the Satellites comes back into the Michelangelo song, which is now remixed as the slow song where he's dreaming of Michelangelo's ceiling. Like it's just fantastic. Oh, and um, Hanging Around, which was like a super chipper, I love my neighborhood thing, comes back almost an identical song except now it's called hanging tree about how depressed the guy is like it's just super interesting it's fantastic it's a big bite it's a gigantic swing and the sheer ambition of it thrilled me my favorite counting crows song certainly my favorite fast counting crows song is on this record and at times it has been my favorite counting crows song please get this right Jeff, I'm going to ask you to start. I'm going to talk for a minute about the song, but I'm going to let you cue it up. I think it's 358 Cowboys. That's where I want you to start in Cowboys. Okay, so just for the listeners at home, he agrees with the pick. Uh, I love this song. This song is fantastic. Oh, the other thing I'll say about this record is the Recovering the Satellites, I think I like the songs better. This song, I like the playing better. These guys are pros, P-R-O-S, pros by the time they get here. And the guitar work on this record is, whoo, baby, like just shredding. We will not have time because I think there's a minute and a, half, minute and a half of the song left when we're done. But the, the closeout guitar solo, the last 30 seconds of Cowboys will burn your face off. Like it ends with Durrett's. So the song starts at a high boil. And I'm going to take you to where it goes beyond the high boil. Like when I, when I, when I, I, when I was listening to it, I was like, oh, I should describe it as if it's a song that builds a lot and we're coming in at the crescendo of it. So you have to go back and listen to it. But I listened to it all week and I was like, actually, it doesn't build a lot. It starts hot and it gets even hotter. It comes out of the gate blazing and you're like, oh, they're at 11 already. And then they make it to 15 by the end of the song. Like it just builds and builds and builds. The solo that closes the song, endurance is screaming at the end of the song is like just a freaking howl of middle-aged like misery anger all coming out into a fantastic rock song um this is 
So the Counting Crows are one of the bands that the girls like, but it's a little bit of a horror sell with the guitar songs. And I, I didn't have any, I'll just be frank, I couldn't get Dolly to like Cowboys, but Georgia, I was like, you're really gonna like this song. It's a little bit fast, got some guitar solos, five minutes long. And she was like, okay, well, not off to a good start. And I was like, she was like, why do you like it? And I was like, in the middle of the song, he says, this is a list of the things that I should be that I'm not. And she was like, wait, what? Oh. And I was like, and it's called <laughs> Cowboys. And he lists the things that he should be that he is not. That's literally what the song is about. <laughs> and she was like, oh, I feel that. And then I played it for her and she was in, oh. in, 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 in. This is another one of those ones, like those Radiohead songs where... I'm sad that this song speaks to me so much. Like, believe me, I wish that my interior monologue was not such that I heard a song that said, this is a list of the things that I should be that I'm not. And I'm like, well, speaking to me now, oh, like, you really put your finger on it. Jeff, <laughs> if you will hit us. Saturday Nights and Sunday Mornings by Counting Crows. Of what I should have been, but I'm not. This is a list of the things that I should have seen, but I'm not seeing. You look at me. So please, won't you look at me? Cause I'm not seeing you look at me. Oh, oh I, I will make you look at me. So we actually got Let's the guitar go. solo at the end. Just wow. burns. You thought I was going to cut burns, it before burns. the solo? Forget that. <laughs> wow. Great stuff. Um, one of the benefits of the Cannon Crows taking a weird six-year break when they did is they all live in San Francisco and were hanging around in bars um, when I was running uh, a regular Thursday night show for San Francisco bands. So I got to meet and become friends with like almost all these guys. So um, I first heard Cowboys as a rough mix uh, at Dan Vickery's house. And I'm not telling you the story because I'm trying to be Mr. Rockstar Home Run. This is just a true story. I was at Dan's house helping him record some demos for some songs that he had written that had not made the record that he was going to try to sell to some other folks. So it was me and Dan and Jim Bogus, who's the drummer, and my friend Jerry Becker, who is now in train. And we were just set up in a circle at Dan's house recording these little quiet, uh, like live, de live de four track demos. And then during the break, we're down in his kitchen and Jim and um, Dan get a like email, like bloop. And it's a rough mix of Cowboys. And they're like, you want to hear something? And I was just like looking at them, like this is the best song you've recorded since Satellites. And, you know, 
it's a half it's kind of a half compliment to tell somebody that's the best song you've written in 15 years yeah because right. you're also saying because you know the last two records i was like whatever <laughs> but i just couldn't help myself i was just like this is going to and i thought it was going to put them right back in the front and the at the zeitgeist and be a runaway smash gigantic hit which it wasn't and that's a shame yeah. um but uh ben hit on the head these guys are had at, at this point have become such pros like they're such they're such good players but not in that super technical like nashville studio pro play it 600 times in a row absolutely perfectly or like oh you want the ben to be like instead of and i'll just do it like they've all figured out what their magic sauce is they all know what they do really well and they know what they don't do and they lean in so well to the thing that makes them sound like them right like dan and david bryson and and dave emmerglock the three guitar players in this band all play a little differently from one another and they make space for one another and they lean into the thing they do particularly well and they get out of each other's way um so that those moments can shine and uh and jim and i've said this before jim is is playing with Jim Boges, which I've been lucky enough to do like, I don't know, a couple dozen times. Like he plays every song as if he has two minutes left to live. And this is it. Like, this is the last thing he's going to do before his heart explodes. Right. And so I'm going to play this song. I mean, I have played gigs with him where there's like, there's as many people in the audience as there are on stage. And he <laughs> is just sweating and trying to play the greatest like drum performance that he's ever played. And this is a guy who broke in, with Ben Folds and Cheryl Crow, and then became a full-time member of the Counting Crows. Like he's played big, I mean, opening for the Who at Sydney Opera House, and we're at like amnesia on a Wednesday night as the opening act, and he's just like got he's just digging in. Crushing. Like that, that's what this record sounds like to me. It sounds like Ben said it, right? These guys were were successful and wealthy and found a way to act like a hungry brand new band again for a whole record. And uh, wow, it's a great pick. Well done, Ben Barton. What's your favorite uh, Sunday morning song? Excellent question. I listened to the record all week. Uh, not representative of Sunday mornings because it's actually kind of brisk. Come Around is the 14th song on the record, and that's the best song on what would be signed to. But that's a pretty brisk one. So if you want like a quieter one that fits, Washington Square is great. That's the first yeah. song that kicks off the Sunday mornings. Oh, and also, this is like. I'm a sucker for ge geography. Me like, too. Washington yep. Square in New York. There's a song about Los Angeles. Um, like yep. he does a lot of walking. Like you can tell that guy, poor guy's yeah. depressed because he's like, oh, here I am. <laughs> like he's walking in LA. He, Timmy's got some walking in Dublin. You would he like that indeed. for sure. Yeah, yep. yeah. He goes for a lot of meanders. I'm um, in Washington Square is another one of these meanders. Songs. Yeah. He, yep. Another thing to note about these guys, and this is another <laughs> thing that's weird about this band. Weird. And by weird, I mean, super likable. Durance has never put out a solo record. Yep. I guess isn't that interesting? Huh. Like there's a there's a there's a, a Mick Jagger solo record. There's several Eddie Vedder solo records, including a super unfortunate one this very year. Oh. Um and oh. and he's just like just hung in here with these guys. He's the primary songwriter. I mean, he he writes some of the songs with the band, he brings it to the band and they work it out. Um, but he he must love these dudes. Like this, this is his tribe for sure. Like this I is also, the but I also think like they he need like they buoy him up. Like he oh, is for sure. He's a oh, guy, yeah. he's, you know, he's always at some varying level of, of hanging in there. And this is the people he knows he can lean back into and they'll yeah. catch him. Yep. And that's been really cool. Like that, I mean, they put out a, they put out an EP this last 
winter. And again, like my friend Jerry, like engineered and recorded half of it at his at his house. So I was like hearing like daily updates from all of them, how it was going. And like, it just felt like a real family, like, you know, Adam would get the bridge just right. And they were all so happy. And then they like spent a month trying to figure out how to close this one song down. And it really is like, it's like, a, it's a process and they're all in it to win it. It's cool. All right. Well, nice job, Ben Barton. We are going to great have choice. A hard time topping that. So, so Jeff, you had a goofy pick in case you guys had the same pick. I, I assume you did not have the same pick. We don't have the same pick, which I thought we might. I'm taking. Can, I'm, can I'm you picking. tell us what the goofy pick was? No, I might because I might save the goofy pick for some other year. But here's my here's my choice that I was gonna. I uh, this is the one I was hoping Ben wouldn't pick. So this is my okay. This is a record. I might have listened to this record more than any other record in 2008. I just got I just got obsessed with it. It just made me laugh and bop my head. Um, and I'll try to do a Ben Barton-esque um, introduction to this. You ready? Greg Michael Gillis, born October 1981 uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Oh, it, yeah. Is a, really happy. is a young man interested in two things, engineering and pop music. He is a very talented student, um, interested in becoming an engineer and finds himself accepted into the biomedical engineering major at Case Western Reserve in Cleveland, Ohio, one of the best programs in the United States. <laughs> While he is finishing his engineering degree, however, he is also super interested in music and the technology of music. And lucky for this young man, this is the moment when the laptop starts to become a very, very powerful thing. Up until about 2001, great records are primarily made on reel-to-reel half-inch magnetic tape. And you have to be in a real studio and you have to have a 48-track board. And it is a big, fancy, expensive affair. But around 2002, 2003, digital copies of files start to become almost indistinguishable from the analog equivalent. There are still purists who will tell you like, I can totally hear it, but bands start to record digitally, not analog converted to digital, but right directly into the computer. And there are so many benefits. You, can't, you don't have to wait for the tape to go and rewind to do take number 28. You just click and you go back to the cursor. Everything's on a click track. Editing is no longer taking a razor blade and slicing the part of take one that you liked and actually taping it together to the part of tape three that you like. You just cut and paste, pop, and you're good to go. It also means that engineers can start to trade their favorite multi-track songs with one another. I was making a record with Rich Price in 2003 and the um, guy who was co-engineering after we were done, it's like, you want to hear something cool? And he would have the original multi-track of Killer Queen. And he would play us like each individual of the eight tracks. You know, they only had eight tracks. And so like a track will have like three seconds of Freddie Mercury and then five seconds of rhythm guitar and then a tambourine. And then six of his voices going anytime because they're trying to find holes in the tape and they're crossfading across. Once you can start to trade these things, once you can start to trade multi-tracks, it's possible to strip the pieces of a song that you want out of a song and mash them up with the pieces of other songs. And if you've got a click track, 
you can slow down and speed these pieces up so that the thing is a single continuous beats per minute. And so our friend, Mr. Gillis, starts to play around with that technology in his computer. And he starts producing his own mashups and he starts to DJ parties under the name Girl Talk. And he is really, really good at it. And he starts putting out these records, these mixtapes of his mashups. And it's really, really brand new popular songs mashed up against old classic rock or some other popular song. And as long as he's got the multi-tracks, he can squeeze them and push them together and create these long, hilarious mixes where you're like, wait, that's an old song, but that's the new lyric. And oh, I recognize that. And while you're dancing, you are giggling your ass off because he's putting these peanut butter with the chocolate. It's not peanut butter with chocolate. It's like peanut butter with bacon grease. And then like, and he's just putting the most hilarious things together live. It's impossible how much fun a guy with a laptop is. But he is because he's got noisemakers and he's got he's got lights and he's blowing confetti and he's inviting people up on stage and there's costumes. It is a hilariously fun party. And this is my favorite of all of Girl Talk's quote unquote records. It's called Feed the Animals. It's an hour long. I prefer the one on Spotify is broken up into 14 little tracks. The one I have in my computer that I listen to forever is just the 156 minute track because that's what it is for me. It is just a guy who has crate dug through the last 50 years of music and put this really funny, hilarious, nonsensical thing together just because he can. Like this is an example of the kind of art that technology allows you to make that I am so in favor of. I'm an old man. Like I like things that are recorded by human beings. I like real drums. I like guitar solos. But this is technology used at its best. Like you take something old and you smash it with something new and you mash things around and you flip them and reverse them. And I'm making that reference on purpose for the clip I'm going to play. Um, and you're just having, it's just gleefully, unapologetically fun, which is why I think Girl Talk never got sued for stealing everybody's music and pushing it all together and throwing it back out because how can you not be charmed by how fun this is? So again, I recommend... You treat it like one big 55 minute party. Like the next time you have a long drive and you just want to zone out and have a great time and remember what music sounded like in 2008, I recommend Girl Talks Feed the Animals. But here's a little chunk uh, from the middle that I especially like. Feed the Animals by Girl Talk. I like to get the know ya so I can show ya. Put a hurt on ya like I told ya. Give me all your number so I can phone ya. Your girl act the same thing, call me yoga. Not on the bed, lay me on your sofa. Call me for your come, I need to shave my chop chop. You do what you don't know, you will, I won't chop. Go downtown and eat it like a bowl chop. See my hips, big hips, so chop. See my butts and my lips, don't chop. Lost a few pounds in my waist, for ya. This the kind of beat to go by. So fun. Ben Barn, what are your thoughts? 
huge fan of this pick and this guy. I'll add two, two, two or three notes on it. First, this is his second album. His first album, Night Ripper. And um, it's not only that he gets the musical part, it's that he gets the acapella rap tracks. And he eventually, he, he gets known well enough so that actually people are just sending him what they call the acapellas. He's getting all of the acapellas. <laughs> and so he's got this, fa- I mean, it's like a greatest hits of recent rap. I mean, you heard there, like, that's a fantastic song. And he gets all of them. And then he just layers stuff on top of it. Um, second, the music is just so fun. So fun. It's a complete guessing game as you go, because he, he'll give yeah. you 30 seconds of a song and then come out and then come back and then 30 seconds of a song, come out, come back. Fantastic. Live show's great. He releases them on his own under the illegal art label because he can't get anybody to release it because they're worried about getting sued. Jeff is correct. No one has sued him. The reason why no one has sued him, in my opinion, is because of fair use. This is a fair use of art the, the actual legal question is whether you're creating something new. This is like, couldn't be anything more of a something new. And the labels and the people who like to bring lawsuits like this, we're just like, we're just not going to F with this guy. Like he, he was like famous enough and enough of a beloved person in the weird tech geek world that the electronic, this is, I, this is my understanding, the Electronic Freedom Foundation, like the EFF out in Silicon Valley was like, please sue, please sue please sue like, will, we're gonna get larry lessig <laughs> on this and we're gonna just eat whoever sues you and nobody decided to sue him um i did not choose this record i had all three night ripper this record and the record after it on my list um the reason i couldn't choose this one is it doesn't have my favorite girl talk song my favorite girl talk song goes on all day it's the first song or maybe it's the last song oh no oh it's so good it's so good my dad, bless his heart, my dad, who's a big listener to the podcast, was uh-huh. trying to get me to explain what we liked about Black Sabbath. And so I was like, oh, you know, you got to listen to this. Like, really, you should listen to War Pigs. That's the one that we played. And that's the one you like the best. And then I was like, right. and then when you're done, listen to the Girl Talk version of it, because it's even better. It's a mix up <laughs> of War Pigs by Black Sabbath and Move Bitch by Ludacris. <laughs> Move, so it's like, bitch. get out the so way. Fucking <laughs> good. It's like, torturing <laughs> that bug lost mind. Move, bitch. <laughs> combination of it. So freaking good. And what and the part we just heard, we had Missy Elliott's work at Faith Evans' Love Like This. That and new G- shoes. Tom Tom Club Genius's Love. Did you hear that? Pop, 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 pop in the background. And absolutely, I can't wait by new shoes. So Which great. made you happy, Timmy. That's one of yours, oh, right? Oh, that's my jam. Fat Man's <laughs> Scoop was in there, too, at some point. So awesome. But yeah, he's got a song that samples the Waiting Room by Fugazi. I mean, he hits the entire waterfront. It's amazing. So... Here's what else is amazing. It took us 99 episodes to have a moment where we duplicated each other because I had girl talk. And as long as we're here, as long as we're here, well, you know, this is when I was spending a lot of time in the clubs. Um, Yeah. Yes, indeed. So I just kind of identified. So go to, uh, could you go to uh, set it off? Yes, I can. And yes, and you go I to can. Two minutes and 48 seconds and let it bleed into no pause. Because, of okay. course, there is no pause as it goes into no pause. Which is, and no pause is what I played. So, yeah, here we go. Are you ready? Yeah, let's hit it. Get it right. 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 Get it right.
<laughs> that's amazing. Oh, amazing. I love that you picked the come on Eileen part, Timmy. Yeah, that's of course. Into the knock on wood. Super good. <laughs> so awesome. Either, either that or the new shoes. Yeah, both. It's amazing how Girl Talk speaks to me. I don't know the rap, but you put it with a little come on Eileen and I am that's awesome. You know, we had a real feel-good episode this week. Uh, there's been a little Twitter buzz about how we've been a little acrimonious with each other recently, but uh, this is good. Where it's a big, yeah. a big love fest in the picks this week. Um, all right. Well, let's hope. Oh gosh, I'm, I'm in a noisy hotel. I don't know what to do. I'm gonna. I'm about to open up my door and say, "You kids, right down <laughs> out here." Are you in charge of the team? Or are you just there with Flannery? No, that that if if this were the high school team, I'd be in charge and I would have taped all their doors. But this is a this is club, so I'm on my own. So Flan's down at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Flannery, have you said hello to everybody? Hey, Flannery, poor thing. There she is. There yeah. she is. All right, guys. Well, thanks for a great uh, night packing up. Uh, 2008 for the listeners and, and I'll remember see remember um we're gonna hit stop and then we're gonna talk about episode 100 oh, you're for a absolutely right all right so let's so. do that right now bye bye welcome to sarah talk solutions ladies and gentlemen you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show i'm sarah b and i'm your host you can find me on my ig which is aussie underscore sarah underscore la I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric acid. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us, from renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.